Comedy of Errors by George Rothaker. Zella, Chapter 16 It had been two weeks since Stuart attempted to visit Deborah at her parents' house and left the premises shaken by her response to the reaction she had to his good fortune. He was aware of some of Deborah's failings and had learned during the time they were dating to be careful about unintentionally making remarks that would offend her and responding positively to humor that she found offensive. Overall, she had been a personable partner on outings with friends and people he knew from work, on bicycle rides they took in the country, and on visits to museums as long as they didn't contain sexual themes or violence, to which she might visually overreact showing her displeasure by frowning and displaying a thumbs-down gesture to people entering an exhibit she was leaving. Stuart was also careful about the books he would suggest that she read, about which she would rarely comment unless the title sounded offensive or the cover for some reason known only to her was offensive. Otherwise, she rarely had much to say about a book unless Stuart commented on it first, and then she smiled and nodded in agreement or frowned and shake her head negatively to match Stuart's assessment of the plot of the characters, and rarely offer an opinion of her own. Stuart was upset that there had been no contact with Deborah since the visit with her and her mother, so he thought he would extend an olive branch and stop by with flowers for them both. It was late on Saturday afternoon, after he had completed a cartoon and stopped at the farmer's market to pick out two bouquets of fall flowers and two small gift cards on each of which he expressed an apology. On Deborah's, he wrote, I'm sorry I've hurt you. I care about you and would like to maintain a relationship with you if that's possible. On her mother's card, he wrote, I apologize if I haven't met your expectations. I like and respect both you and Mr. Mallon and hope that we can remain friends no matter what the outcome of my relationship with your daughter. He signed each card, affectionately Stuart. He drove to their house and saw Deborah's father's car in the driveway and parked behind it. He crossed over a small patch of grass to a stairway leading to the kitchen door and rang the doorbell. Deborah's mother answered, smiling nervously and looking behind her as if checking to see if someone was watching her. Hello, Mrs. Mallon, said Stuart, handing her one of the bouquets. Hello, Stuart. This isn't a good time. I'm sorry, but you'll have to go. I just wanted to apologize to Deborah. Would you give her these, Ed, as he handed over the second bouquet? Deborah's mother quickly returned the second bunch and said, You'll have to take these back, Stuart. Deborah's busy right now. From the living room, he could hear laughter, which sounded like it was from Deborah. He also heard a male voice that he didn't recognize, and then realized that Deborah had company. Thank you for the flowers, said Deborah's mother as she closed the door on Stuart, and he dejectedly walked back to his car. While backing out of the driveway, Stuart saw the front door open and a man appearing to be in his early thirties and wearing sports jacket over a white shirt and flannel trousers, walking out of the door. Deborah dressed as if for a date, followed behind him with a smile on her face as the two walked to a car parked at the curb. The man opened the door for Deborah, but as Deborah was about to enter, she noticed Stuart's car at the end of her parents' driveway. She tapped her escort on the shoulder. And when he turned towards her, she leaned back dramatically, bent one leg, and pulled the man to her as if posing for a wedding photograph. She then took hold of the man's head with her right hand so that Stuart could see what she was doing and gave the man a big kiss on the mouth. 
It seemed to Stuart that Deborah's escort was as shocked with a stunt as he was observing it, as he smiled awkwardly when Deborah released his head. With her escort's back turned towards Stuart, Deborah squinted her eyes at Stuart and scowled at him. She then childishly stuck out her tongue and held the pose briefly before turning back to her escort and putting back a happy grin on her face before entering the car. Stuart couldn't believe what he saw, and from where he was at the end of the drive, he could see Deborah's mother peering out of the dining room window and watching her daughter and her escort as they were leaving. He also saw Stuart, who had waited until the car ahead of him left before fully, fully the car ahead of him left before pulling away, giving a quick honk of his horn and waving goodbye to Deborah's mother through his open window. Stuart had a hard time sleeping that night. His mind kept returning to the scene in the front of Deborah's house, which without any further explanation had completely changed his opinion of Deborah. The most probable scenario was that she had been dating the fellow who came to her house at the same time that she was dating Stuart. But when he thought about the amount of time they'd spent together and the relationship they seemed to share, he couldn't make the pieces fit. The man in the Mallon's house must have just come into Deborah's life, and Stuart's seemingly rejection of her plan of developing a more permanent relationship had motivated her to find a new partner who might be more receptive to her visions for the future. Stuart's third option, which was the farthest out, was that Deborah never really cared for Stuart at all, but needed to secure her future with anyone who would have her. This made Stuart sad for Deborah, but also made him feel foolish that he had been tricked into a relationship. The only person who might have a clue as to Deborah's intents was her mother, who hadn't seemed particularly angry with him concerning the claim of not being ready to take the relationship further. She had expressed more anger towards her daughter for her intolerance and insensitivity towards Stuart, who was just beginning to find his way in the world. We walked the short distance to her parents' house to save money on her meal, but on some occasions would be included in a celebration of a birthday retirement or the engagement of a co-worker. Knowing that Deborah's mother wasn't threatened by Stuart and had always enjoyed his company, he decided to phone her from the cafeteria during his break at the office, at a time when he knew that Deborah wouldn't be at home. He didn't know how long he'd need to talk, so he excused himself for a bathroom break prior to walking to the cafeteria and depositing his dime. After a few rings, Deborah's mother picked up the line and answered, Hello, the Mallon residence. And Stuart answered back quickly, Hello, Mrs. Mallon, this is Stuart Little. Without taking a breath before continuing, in case Deborah's mother would think of hanging up on him, he said, I'm calling from work, and I assume Deborah's at work too. I just wanted to talk with you since I have no way of speaking with her at this time. Stuart paused for a breath, and Deborah's mother said, It's good to hear from you, Stuart. I'm sorry for the way things have worked out for you and Deborah. So am I, Mrs. Mallon. I do, or did care for Deborah. But as I said, I'm trying to just start to build a career, and I'm not really ready for marriage, or even living together with someone. You probably know that I've not even turned 21 yet, and I feel fortunate to have a job and to be able to begin to get a start on my life. I understand that, Stuart, answered Deborah's mother. I've been concerned about the relationship from the start. Deborah's a grown woman and difficult to talk to. Your father and I have discussed your relationship many times, and although we like you, we have never been quite sure that you were a good match for our daughter. Stuart answered, We've had some good times, and she seemed to be a good listener. 
I know that she's a bit older than me from some of the things she's told me, including the music she grew up with and experiences she's enjoyed growing up that I'd never had. Despite that, I thought she cared for me until the day before yesterday. Her action surprised me too, Stuart, but unfortunately it's been an issue we've tried to address since Deborah was young. She's the last of our children, a surprise baby, and we had just come through the depression while raising and trying to educate two children. My husband Frank worked multiple jobs, and thank God he was too old to be drafted into World War II, so the job market opened up at the start of the war, and he began to make money working as a driver for Stroman's Bakery, and grew his route to include two convents in the area. As you know, we're Catholics, and Frank has always been a genial man, and is a good person. I know he is, Mrs. Mallon, answered Stuart. When Zella was born, I mean Deborah, she was a blessing, and we were finally able to provide a proper life for her, as well as her siblings. We realized that we spoiled her, and as the baby in the family, she was always doted on by her siblings, Don and Elizabeth, and we also sheltered her from unpleasantries. There was a pause accentuated by a sob or a slight choke in the mother's voice, after which she continued, I probably shouldn't be telling you any of this, but under the circumstance, I think it's necessary to say it to someone. Frank doesn't want to hear about it and remains quite angry with you for not, as he said, coming up to the plate and proposing to Deborah. I get it, Mrs. Mallon. Maybe our talk will help in the long run. I hope so, Stuart. Anyway, we sent her to Sharon a school for girls in Drexel Hill, a place where she could be further sheltered, and which she attended until she graduated. She had a few friends in school, but spent a lot of time watching TV and going to the movies, more than we might have liked. But we usually gave in to her request. She was a quiet child, but liked watching the dancers in the movies. Jean Kelly and Bob Fosse were her favorites, as well as Sid Charisse and Gwen Verdon, so we started her on dance lessons, which she enjoyed and showed some talent. I'm going to try to keep this brief, Stuart. I know you must have things to do. We can talk later if you'd like. No, Mrs. Mallon. Please continue. I have another ten minutes before I need to return to work. But this may be helpful to me as well as to you, and maybe even to Deborah. To begin with, Deborah's not her real name. Her real name is the same as mine, Stella. She hated the name in school because it was so old-fashioned. Deborah was sixteen when she saw Elvis Presley's first film. Love Me Tender, which co-starred Deborah Paget. By the time she got out of high school, she had renamed herself after Paget, the girl that Elvis labeled the most beautiful girl in Hollywood. How was she able to do that, asked Stuart. At first, it wasn't a problem, and she got her driver's license at 16 and used her real name, Zella, to get it. Since she never traveled abroad, she never needed a passport, so she just remained careful that no one ever knew her real name. She would include the letter Z as a middle initial on forms, so no one ever questioned it. Wow, said Stuart. She wasn't exceptional in her academics, and her sister helped her get her job with Bell after high school. She continued to take dance lessons. We'd saved money for college for her, but Deborah wanted to be a dancer. She believed that she wasn't pretty enough. So during the summer after graduation, she requested that the money we saved go into transforming her which meant fixing her teeth and thinning and shortening her nose. That summer, she dyed her hair black in the sink upstairs and began to wear heavy makeup to cover scarring from acne she had in her early teens. Stuart was now getting a better picture of the discrepancies he'd seen in the photographs before and after her graduation, 
when he wondered how she could have changed so much. So she had plastic surgery, asked Stuart, confirming her mother's statement about the thinning of her nose. Yes, it was expensive, but she believed it was her only way to be hired as a dancer, and we granted her request. The dentist did the best he could with her teeth by capping to and front and taking out the larger ones with silver fillings next to them and replacing them with a bridge. The results brightened her mood, and she seemed to adopt a whole new persona, so we thought it may have been a good thing for her, but over time we realized that she was damaged inside, perhaps from feeling unattractive as a child, or just by her nature. We never knew which person we'd be living with, Stuart. She could be smiling and happy one moment, and then lash out rudely at people, including me and her father especially if we ever called her Zella in front of anyone. Her physical reactions were exaggerated, such as what you saw yesterday, and has happened repeatedly over the years. After a few dates with a man, she was never asked out by that man again. They just vanished. That's kind of scary and sad, said Stuart. Yes, it was and is, said Deborah's mother, and I know we became part of the problem. We wanted a perfect family, so we discouraged unpleasantries and conversations and Frank and I kept things to ourselves. Realizing that, I'm surprised that you're telling me what you're telling me now, said Stuart. When you came along, we weren't particularly happy about the relationship. We knew you were just an adolescent, and our daughter was an adult. We also knew that you weren't Catholic, and you were still going to school, and I wondered why she had decided to date you. I think I played a role in this, Mrs. Mallon. I pursued her, perhaps because she seemed more mature than I was. She was also attractive and seemed wonderfully creative on stage in her role as Harriet in The Man Who Came to Dinner. Yes, she was good in that role, which was a bit unsettling for us since we experienced her ability to change her personality at the drop of a hat. She should have known better than to lead you on, but she had failed with so many men her own age. She must have enjoyed playing the part of an innocent for you. If I may ask, when did you finally learn of the age difference between the two of you? Stuart thought about it and said, Maybe just now, while we're having this discussion. I knew that we were a few years apart, but I hid from the reality. Hiding was easy for me since I grew up in a household where my mother and I chose to believe my father's lies, and I never mentioned the drunken abuse he committed that kept us awake after coming home drunk. That's sad, Stuart. I don't hold you to blame for pursuing our daughter. She probably needs some psychological help, but at this point, I don't know whether we could help her get it. So who was the man with her when I arrived at the house the other day, asked Stuart. A new manager at the telephone company. We met him right after you came by and evicted you after telling us about your good fortune. By the way, how is the arrangement working for you with your cartoons? My uncles found me an attorney, and I now have the knowledge I need to meet with a publisher. I've scheduled a meeting for next week. My immediate boss knows that I'm taking the day off to go to New York City. He's covering for me. Well, I wish you the best of luck, Stuart. You deserve it. I'll talk to Frank and let him know about our conversation. He won't be pleased that I've told you as much as I have about our family issues. But he's a good man, and I know that ultimately he'll forgive you for not taking her off our hands. Even as he'll always remain faithful to his daughter, despite her quirks. That's how it should be, Mrs. Mallon. If there's any way I can help out Deborah, please don't be afraid to ask. I think that what you've told me helps me better understand her actions. I'm just glad our relationship never went much further than it has. For your sake, Stuart, I do too. Except that we still hope that someone will take the burden away from us 
I prayed for that every night. After saying goodbye, Stuart got off the phone and hurried back to his office, just a few minutes late from his break, but continued to think of Deborah's story. By the end of the day, he couldn't wait to get home to begin the creation of a single-panel cartoon based on a strange and ambivalent dancer called Zella.